Good morning. It's wonderful to be here and to assemble as always to worship God and to sing praise to Him, to come before Him together and in prayer and, and in just a few minutes to remember Christ and His sacrifice and, uh, and take that wonderful feast. We're, we're honored that you're here and I see some there. I'm thinking about the shoemakers that haven't been here in a while. It's great to see Mike and Brenda Kay and others that are here with us this morning. So we're, we're, we're thankful that you're here. If you're our, our guest, you were honored, we're honored to have you and we, we ask that you would remain for just a few minutes and get a, give us an opportunity to get to, to meet you and, and know you. As Bill mentioned, Eric is um, away. He is preaching a meeting in the Carolinas, I believe in North Carolina this morning. That will go through Wednesday, so we'll look forward to him being back with us again next week. In his place, I wanted to uh, take a few minutes, and, and we'll talk a little bit about the work of elders, but I want to do that in the context of, of a trip that we recently took to Thailand, and, and we'll not do a, a full report on that, but Furman and, and Bill and myself will do that later perhaps in uh, one Sunday night in, in, uh, in December, but I want to tell you a little bit about that trip and some of the things that we taught there. So uh, about three weeks ago, Furman and Jean and, and Bill and Ruth and Lori and myself took a trip to Thailand. This is us uh, before we flew for 30 hours, looking quite spry and, and all happy. There was, I'm sure there were smiles at the other end, but they were, were certainly weary and more bleary-eyed, but we left from Austin and, and traveled um, a 14-hour flight followed by a six-hour flight followed by more flights, but we made it uh, and, and then went to, uh, to Thailand and uh, went to the northern province of Lowy, which is just below the, the, where the label is for the country of Laos, right there on the Mekong River, and spent time with them. Most of you know, but we have supported Udorn Inthong. This is Udorn and his wife, Sumali, for about 30 years there. And during that 30 years uh, of working with, with Udorn, he has planted congregations throughout Thailand, probably close to 20 congregations. It was amazing. The people that we met with that came, most of them wanted to know, wanted us to know that Udorn was the person that brought them to Christ, a wonderful evangelist and has done such great work in planting congregations and spreading the gospel throughout the country of Thailand. One of the challenges with many of those congregations is they're small, but also just as they are developing is the lack of scriptural leadership in the form of elders. This is not a problem that's unique to Thailand, but particularly um, there, they have literally just a handful of congregations throughout all of the country that have elders at this time. A couple of years ago, the missions committee determined that our focus as a congregation and our work in Thailand in the coming years would be focusing on the maturing of those congregations and helping them develop scriptural leadership based upon the New Testament for those congregations that have been planted over the last couple of decades. So that was the purpose of our trip, was to go there and help them. While COVID has certainly been a challenge to that effort, um, this was an opportunity for us to go. We postponed this trip from last year to be able to work with the, the members of the church there and to be able to help establish elderships. This morning, as we've begun our own process here at Westside for selecting additional men to serve as elders here, I wanted to share some of the things that we spoke about and discussed and talked about in Thailand about the work of elders. We talked about the qualifications of elders, we talked about the role of shepherds, we talked about the work of elders, and by, there were two, two questions that continually came up, or two categories of questions. One, what, is it, what do qualifications mean while we were in Thailand? But I think the predominant questions were around what is the work of an elder, and we'll talk about that this morning. As we think as a body of Christians 
about men to work here, clearly we need to study from 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1, what are the qualifications of elders. We also need to look at what is the work of an elder and consider that as we're considering men to serve. It's not only vital for those men who would serve to understand what the role of an elder is, but also for all of us as Christians to understand the role of elder and what our role is as Christians as part of that. By way of introduction, I want to begin our thoughts in Titus chapter 1 this morning. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Titus chapter 1, and, and we'll read Paul through inspiration, what he asked Titus to do. Titus chapter 1, and we'll read verse 5. It says, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking, and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. Paul, speaking to Titus here, says, This is your purpose. This is why I left you in Crete, was to set the things in order that are lacking and to appoint elders in every city. Things that are lacking, there were things in those congregations that were, were, were still developing. They were immature in many ways. And one of the ways they were immature and lacking was the fact they did not have scriptural leadership yet. And so Paul says to Titus, you stay there and you do this. This is why I left you there. Brothers and sisters and friends, there are so many things that are challenges to the church when there are not elders present that are faithful to do the duty that is given to them by the Holy Spirit. Those who, need to, those who serve need to serve faithfully. The issues of what is lacking can often be resolved by faithful men to serve as God has instructed. The single most important cause or the single cause of congregations failing to remain faithful to the pattern is elders. Also, the single most important reason or the single most important factor in congregations remaining faithful is also elders. We need faithful men to serve to continue to protect the body of Christ. Elders must be faithful in their work and care for the Lord's church. Turn with me to Acts chapter 14, beginning in verse 21. Acts chapter 14 and verse 21. Here we see Paul and Barnabas, and they're leaving Derby, and, and, and they're going to return to some of the congregations that they have established in their missionary journeys. Beginning in verse 21, we'll read through verse 23. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples... They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So again, they leave, they leave Derby and they return to some of the congregations, not unlike returning to the congregations there in Thailand and preaching and teaching and encouraging, but also trying to help appoint elders, Paul and Barnabas set out to do just that. Look at the purposes that are there in verses 21 through 23 that they had. First, they said, we're going to go and we're going to strengthen the souls, the souls of the disciples. What a wonderful thing it is to be able to strengthen one another and to be strengthened by our brothers and sisters in our spiritual family. Paul and Barnabas understood this need to go back to those congregations to encourage them and to strengthen the souls. Certainly we know Barnabas as the son of consolation or the encourager. A second thing they did was exhorted them to continue in the faith. They wanted them to remain faithful to what they had been taught, to the righteousness that was revealed to them. 
At times, we can all become weak. We can all need encouragement and exhorting to continue in the faith, and we should do that for one another and bear one another's burdens. To be faithful to the Lord's church and not neglecting the things that were put before us and that have been taught to us. They preached and they fellowshiped to encourage them to continue in the faith. A third thing in those two verses is to withstand the tribulation and remain in the church. I said, look, you need to withstand tribulation. I'll tell you, brothers and sisters and friends, COVID has been a tribulation for the church for some two and a half years now. Some of our brothers and sisters in Christ have fallen away because of that tribulation. Paul and Barnabas went to encourage those congregations and say, withstand the tribulation and remain in the Lord's church. Finally, part of their purpose was to appoint elders. They went to appoint elders to those congregations to do just exactly what they had done, to encourage, to strengthen those souls, to exhort them. That is part of the elders' mission in a local congregation. It was vital then, and it's vital now. Time will not permit us this morning to cover the New Testament's complete teaching on the role of elders. However, we'll study from three primary texts this morning and just look for a few minutes about what the Bible says and what we are instructed to do in terms of serving as elders. And also says a lot about the body of Christ and how they should respond to elders as well. Let's begin our study where Clayton read for us in 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, and I'll again read, as Clayton did, the first four verses there. The the elders who are among you I exhort, I am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Listen now to what Peter says through inspiration elders are to do. Verse 2, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Not as lords over them, uh, them entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Peter, a fellow elder, is exhorting and instructing the New Testament church in what elders are to do. I want, before we begin to look at some of the things that elders are to do here, to consider the following. When you think about elder, excuse me, when you think about Peter, you think about he was with Christ, he was called by Christ, he walked personally with Christ, he was there at the Mount of Transfiguration, he walked on water, he was in the garden, he was there at the the arrest. He preached that sermon on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 were added by the Lord to the church. He was an apostle. But it says something about the importance and the gravity of the role of elders to know that Peter, even as an apostle, with with the authority of an apostle, the role of apostle, felt it necessary and needed to also be an elder in a local congregation. It would have been easy for him to say, I am an apostle, I need not be an elder, but he did serve as an elder. I think it says two things. One, it certainly confirms that the pattern of the New Testament where elders were important in every church, and it was an important role. Secondly, a vital role, and Peter filled that role in addition to being an apostle. Now let's look at the text beginning in verse 2. Exhorted by a fellow elder, Peter says this, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you. This is a picture of Bill speaking about one of our, I think it was the Monday that we were there, and talking about 
shepherding and what it means to be a shepherd in a physical sense and gave a great, many great examples of, of caring for a flock and leading and protecting against things that are threats. Shepherds are to be that. You see that metaphor used throughout Scripture, but shepherds are to shepherd, excuse me, elders are to shepherd the flock of God. This means spiritual growth. It means teaching, responsi responsible for ensuring that the truth is taught and protecting them and ensuring that sound doctrine is the only thing that is taught. Also in this text, we see that it is shepherding the flock of God. Elders must remember always, and we all as Christians should remember that it is God's flock. It is God's church. It is not the church of the elders. It is not my church. It is God's church. Elders are to faithfully serve and protect and shepherd God's flock. That means we should fulfill Christ's mission. We should fulfill the Great Commission to seek and save the lost. Elders must also ensure that they are focused on keeping the saved saved and protecting those that are in the flock. Also in verse 2 is this phrase, among you. Furman did a wonderful job providing a lesson about what it means to be elders among the flock. I think of two things in this particular phrase. One, among you indicates elders are at a particular time and a particular place. I am an elder here at this congregation. I'm not an elder at another congregation. I'm an elder here at this particular time and this particular place. That's what it means to be among you. A second thing that being among you means that I am just that. I am among you. It means I am accessible, I am approachable, and I am knowledgeable about the people here and the saints here that worship at this place at this particular time. It's also one of the reasons that we as elders encourage and exhort people who are faithful Christians to identify themselves with a local body of Christians so that we know who we are to shepherd. Who are we among and whose souls are we to care for? A second thing is that in verse 2, and it says this, that elders are overseers. It indicates being watchful, careful, and diligent. There's an expression, a military expression called an overwatch that sort of looks over and, and surveys. And sometimes I think about it in that perspective, we are to be watchful and careful and diligent as we serve as overseers. Again, standing before the congregation and watching and watching and protecting from potential threats, the elders must take seriously this effort and this duty to be watchful and diligent. It means that I'm alert. It means that I am cautious if I am serving as an elder and always in my mind is the security of the Lord's, the Lord's body here at the church at Westside. And that should be considered in all decisions that elders make. Now look in verse 3 with me. It says, Not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. The first thing is, before he says that there are to be examples, is elders are not to lord over the flock. It's critical that this leadership must be that of a loving servant and not a lord over. It's not about power. It's not about dominion. It's not about working against members of the Lord's church. It's about meekness and service and sacrifice. The phrase in the New King James Version says, those entrusted to you. It's better rendered God's heritages. If you're a member of the Lord's church, you are a heritage of God. And what that means is, is that here in this particular time and place, this is part of God's lot, part of God's heritage. There are other parts of God's heritage in Chang Khan that met on the Lord's Day and worshiped together. But here in this particular place, you are God's heritage 
and those entrusted to the elders here to look over and to care for, but not to lord over. Rather, to be examples to the flock in the way that we live our lives, the way that we serve, and the way that we sacrifice, that is the way elders should leave from the front and being examples. In verse 4, it says that we're to do as elders all things in subjection to the chief shepherd. No elder is a chief shepherd. Christ is the chief shepherd and is the head of the church that he died for. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 25 says that Christ is the overseer of our souls. The Spirit ties Christ again to the chief shepherd and overseers, and elders need to remember that Christ is the shepherd and that we are account accountable to the chief shepherd. The next text I want to look at with you this morning is found in Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, and we know the occasion of, of Paul calling for the Ephesian elders to come and to, to meet with him. Paul is in Miletus in, in the middle of a trip, and he calls for the Ephesian elders to come, and it was probably a four-day walk. And I, I, as I, I mentioned this in the first service, there were times about 20 hours into a flight on a plane that I would have walked four days rather than spend one more hour on that flight. But Paul called for them likely because of the fact that his travel schedule, he could not miss that next ship. And so he called for the elders to come, and they made that they're about four-day walk to meet with him. And we have recorded that wonderful meeting between Paul and those Ephesian elders that he loved so very, very much. But beginning in verse 27, we can see part of that was also some instructions about what elders are to do in, in, in Ephesus, but also shepherds that serve everywhere. Begin reading with me in verse 27, and we'll read down through verse 31, and then also verse 35, starting in verse 27. For I, Paul speaking in the first person, I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Now again, I want you to listen for the things that elders should do as Paul instructs. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in uh, among you, not sparing the flock. And from among them yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now verse 35, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, uh, of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Verse 27, Paul says, I did not fail to deliver the whole counsel of God to you. One of the things that the elders must do is ensure that the whole counsel of God is taught to the local congregation of God's heritage. Verse 28 says, there are several things that elders need to take heed of. The first thing is they need to take heed of themselves. This phrase, take heed, means to hold in mind, to hold in mind, to be cautious about. Elders are to be cautious or to hold themselves in mind and ensure that they are faithful. It's important for elders to watch themselves. It's important for elders to watch one another. Elders must be disciplined. They must always be watching for themselves and their own spiritual health and be accountable to their fellow elders and to the church. I must consider my actions as an elder and knowing that the implication of my example and what I teach, not only verbally, 
but also by my manner of life is so very, very important to God's heritage here at Westside. A second thing that we need to be careful and hold in mind is, it says, take heed of all the flock. Again, the idea of being alert and being cautious is so important. We need to watch and be on guard about the flock of God, the church. Watching is proactive. Shepherds are proactive and they're watching. They're not reactive when a problem occurs. We need to remember that again, as we talked about from 1 Peter chapter 5, this is God's church. Here in this particular verse, Paul reminds them through inspiration, this is the church that was purchased with the blood of Christ. You protect it, you care for it, you feed it. Verse 29, Paul says, For I know this, after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. One of the things that elders must do is they must protect against, in this case, the metaphor of wolves is used that will come in from within and without. When you think about what wolves do, they hunt. They, they look for weak prey. They, they, they look for people to attack. This was, this was given to me by a member here in this flock, and it's a simple bookmark. And on the left side, you can see the front of it that's a, a, a very uh, imposing-looking, threatening wolf. And on the back was Acts 20 and verse 29, and just says in a handwritten, thank you for watching. And I keep that, and it reminds me that my job as an elder is to watch. And I'm watching for threats. And I am ensuring that I am protecting for, against things that could threaten the body. The time to stop those things is before they enter the body. It's too late once the wolf is inside. We need to do whatever we can to stop it. But if it rises from internally, elders must be prepared to stop those things. And then that leads us to verse 30. And also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away disciples to themselves. False doctrine will arise both intentionally and in some cases accidentally. It must be recognized and corrected lovingly, but also firmly with clarity to ensure that sound teaching and the whole counsel of God is presented. And that is the best way to protect the flock is ensure that sound teaching and sound doctrine is continually taught and known by the body here. Again, here is the idea of being proactive and not waiting, but to be engaged. The best defense for the church, God's heritage here is to ensure that teaching is sound and the body is spiritually mature. Then verse 31, he again comes back to the idea of watching, being alert, being vigilant. Then he says to remember the warnings that he had given them. Remember those warnings. We have some of those warnings here, but warnings no doubt that he had given them when he was in person as well. We need to keep those things in mind. Those that would serve as elders need to remember the warnings that were given in Scripture and to be watching. It is so easy for elders to become distracted with the things that are physical, with the, the building, with the temperature of the building, with programs, with other things that are of a physical nature. And it's not that those things are not important, but they cannot be the, fo the focus of the elders. They need to be spiritual watchmen protecting the flock. And then finally, in verse 35 of Acts chapter 20, Paul reminds them, as he had shown by example, elders must support the weak. Where will the wolf strike first? Very often they'll strike the weak first. Those who can't help themselves. We, all of us as Christians have this responsibility to bear one another's burdens, 
but particularly this responsibility is given to elders and specifically to elders to support those who are weak. We must all work and endeavor together in that. Now if you would turn to Hebrews chapter 13 and I want to look at two verses in Hebrews chapter 13 as we begin to conclude our thoughts this morning. There are two verses here that both give instruction to elders and those who would serve as elders, but also to the body of Christ who serves along with elders as Christians. Hebrews chapter 13, I'll read verse 7 first, and then we'll skip down to verse 17. Verse 7 says, Remember those who rule over you who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow considering the outcome of their conduct. And then verse 17, obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. There are several things in verse 7 that I want to mention very, very quickly. One is the church is to remember those who rule over them. This means not ruling over, not lording over, as we talked about from 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, but it means those who are out front, those who are leading you, remember those. And then instructions for elders in verse 7 is also, is they are to speak the word of God. Elders must speak from the word of God. It can't be my opinion, it can't be my preference, it can't be my opinion, it can't be the way that I like to do things. It must be spoken from the word of God to teach, exhort, to encourage, to protect from God's Word. We sometimes think of this as the preacher's role, but one of the qualifications of elders is they must be willing and able to teach. That teaching can be public, but I think as I've served as an elder, I've learned that there's a lot more teaching that goes on privately, one-on-one -on -one often, but we must be able to teach and speak the Word of God, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7. Also in verse 7 is, elders must have a faith that is followed. One of the things that elders must do is have a faith that can be followed as an example before the church. We need to be men of faith. We need to have that in our lives. We need to make decisions based upon faith and not just think about what we can do ourselves. Also in verse 7 is, we need to have conduct that survives scrutiny. An elder's conduct will be scrutinized, and that is... That is just. One of the things that we did while we were in Thailand is um, Bill, Bill Caldwell and myself went to the local bank and Udorn took us there um, to, to change some money. And Bill went first, which I was very glad about. I learned several things with watching Bill. Um, and so I, I've changed money before in a lot of different countries, but this was a unique process and it, was, it took about 15 or 20 minutes just to do one exchange. Um, but they scrutinized that U.S. currency a long time. Uh, the first bill that, uh, uh, the, the first denomination that Bill provided them, um, the bank teller looked at it, both sides, and then he handed it back to says, do you have another one? That bill did not survive scrutiny. So I immediately went in my wallet and started looking at what, am I, what have I got? And so um, I handed them the first bill when it was my time, and he handed that back to me and said, do you have another? Those things did not survive scrutiny, did not survive scrutiny. An elder's life must survive scrutiny. It must be able to be inspected. And this doesn't mean, brothers and sisters and friends, that we are perfect. You know that. 
I know that. We're, we're fallible men. We make mistakes on a regular basis, but it does mean that our lives and the faith that can be followed from the same text can survive scrutiny and is genuine and tested. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17 says this, and I'll read it again. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would not be profitable for you. We as members of the church must obey those who rule over us. And again, this idea of rule and that, that word rule can be a little bit of a trigger word for us sometimes. It's not lording over, but it's standing before. And I'll talk more about that in just a few minutes. But we as elders must be willing and able, and we will give an account. This idea of, of giving account is better translated, deliver a word. Elders will be asked to deliver a word for the souls, for those gods, for God's heritage that are in our care. And hopefully, as the text says, that can be done in joy and not with grief. But we are accountable to deliver a word for those souls in our care. Certainly a sobering thing when you consider the responsibility of elders. There are other texts that we could spend time on this morning and, and perhaps should have. But if you're taking notes, some things that I'd like for you to to jot down and certainly study as we go through this process here and consider men who would serve as elders. Acts chapter 15, verses 2 and 22 talk about the fact that elders must make decisions of expedience on spiritual matters. There are certain things and decisions that we must make when there is not necessarily right and wrong, as God's Word tells us, but there is perhaps good and better. And elders must make those decisions from a spiritual standpoint. James chapter 5 and verse 14, elders are honored but also commanded to pray for those who are sick. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 14 through 13 says there are times when there are sinful people unwilling to repent and elders have a responsibility to withdraw from them as a body in hopes, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 14 and 15, that that person will repent and come back to the family of God. Acts chapter 6, verses 2 through 4, instructs that elders, by example, should focus on preaching, prayer, and study, rather than be focused on the physical things. And again, it doesn't mean that the physical things aren't important. It just says these are things that elders are commanded to focus on. Acts chapter 11 and verse 30 indicates that elders are responsible for the treasury of the Lord's church and must be stewards of that. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17, elders should labor in word and in doctrine. Titus chapter 1 has a great deal to say about dealing with false teaching when it occurs. Just beyond the qualifications, Paul then instructs Titus on how you are to deal with and how elders are to deal with things that are contrary to God's word when it is taught. I want to end by considering two final scriptures one is from 1 Timothy chapter 3, where Paul, through inspiration, gives the qualifications of elders. And, and I want to draw your attention to just one of those things this morning as we conclude. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 4. And there's a particular phrase that I want to just put before your mind as we conclude. Verse 4 says, speaking of elders and the qualifications of elders... One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. Again, this, it's this phrase, ruling his own house well, that I want to call your attention to. That phrase, ruling 
his house well literally means standing before. It's not the idea of lording over, but it's about standing before. So you think about the qualification here for a, a person, a man that would serve as an elder is somebody that has faithfully stood before his family as a spiritual leader. What he's done there is he's protected, he's guided, he has led, he has done that sacrificially. Nothing that would happen to his family that didn't go through him first. One who stands before his own house well. That's the qualification. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 12, speaking to Christians, it says, We should recognize those that labor among us, the elders, and that are over you in the Lord and admonish you. That phrase, over you in the Lord, is the exact same phrase as 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 4, which means elders are standing before the family of God. We are to protect, we are to guide, we are to lead, and we are to sacrifice for the body of Christ. The same word there. The holidays are a wonderful time, and you know, I, I know that many of us focus on family as we should, but it's been a reminder for me just the blessing of family, and, and I know that for me it's been a, many wonderful memories thinking about the blessing of family that in a physical sense, and I also recognize that there are many who have lost loved ones, particularly in the last few weeks, who are suffering the pain and loss of our physical family. But I want to leave you with this thought. The center of a discussion about elders is about men who can stand before the family of God that was purchased with the blood of Christ and to lead, to care for, to sacrifice, to exhort and correct when necessary, and to protect above all. Regardless of the state of my physical family, I as a Christian have a spiritual family. This picture was taken one of the last days. Some of the people had already left the time. And, and again, we will, we will come together hopefully in the next few weeks and, and be able to share more about that wonderful trip. But that's what God's family looks like. Regardless of the fact that we communicate differently, our cultures are different, what we eat is different, doesn't matter. We're a spiritual family, and elders need to stand before God's heritage in a particular place in a particular time and protect that, that body. I'm also reminded of the fact that there are blessings that I have being a part of that spiritual family, and those blessings are reserved in the body of Christ, in the church. If you are outside of the body of Christ, if you have not and while I know this morning's lesson was slightly different, we've not talked about what the plan of salvation is. If you have questions or you're like, if you know what you need to do to be a part of the body of Christ and in God's family, don't wait. There is no better time. There needs to be a sense of urgency for you to put on Christ in baptism, be forgiven of your sins, and enjoy the blessings of God's family in Christ. To know that your salvation is secure no matter what happens. It's also possible that you have fallen away from the family of God, that you have neglected the commitments that you have made, and just like Paul and Barnabas went to encourage Christians not to fall away in the face of tribulation, perhaps you have fallen away. Don't wait to be restored. Come forward and let us pray on your behalf and restore you. And again, I would just tell you on behalf of the elders, if you're a faithful Christian looking for a place and a family to be a part of, we'd love to be work with you here and be honored to serve you as elders here in this place. If there's anything we can do for you this morning, come now while we stand and sing.